0: So, OU and Texas want out of the Big 12 apparently by 2024. I'm not worried about that if I'm a Big 12 fan. I'm not bothered by it. I'm not concerned by it. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, no, how is the Big 12 going to survive if OU and Texas leave in 2024 instead of 2025? It's going to be okay. It's going to be just fine, this league, is going to completely and utterly thrive. There's no doubt about it. I'm Pete Mundo. This show is part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We cover the Big 12 Conference, uh, top to bottom, of course. As many of you have been following us, thank you for subscribing on YouTube. Please do that. Share this on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, and, of course... On the podcast, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating and review, and send me a screenshot to Pete M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And I got free Heartland College Sports koozies for you. So thank you for doing that. Also on YouTube, like this video. That helps out a lot. So here's the report. It came down from Brett McMurphy on Monday. Brett McMurphy, of course, is now with uh, Action Network. So Brett McMurphy said that there is growing sentiment and momentum for OU and Texas to leave the Big 12 early and join the SEC in 2024. Right now, the Big 12 obviously has the two schools until 2025, July 1 of 2025. Now, it's been obvious that if OU and Texas had their way, they would have bailed on the league a year ago. If they could financially make it work, they would have done it. Here's the hang-up. It would cost them, depending on you know what numbers you want to look at, a cool 80 to 90 million dollars per school to leave the big 12 early. Now in years past, schools have oftentimes negotiated those numbers down. But let's still say the asking price to leave early should be right around 50, 60 million bucks if it gets negotiated down. Now, if I'm Brett your mark, think about this. What is Brett Yormark, the Big 12 commissioner's incentive to make this happen? What, it's a little clunky for a couple of years with the scheduling, with OU and Texas here for two years, and then of course the four new Big 12 schools coming in next year, and BYU and UCF and uh, Houston and Cincinnati? Are we supposed to sit here and what, feel bad for OU and Texas because they have to play four new teams? I, I saw this in McMurphy's report, where the SEC NOU and OU in Texas are like, well, uh, the new schools came in in 2023, so uh, you know we should be able to get out early. No, 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 no. You do not get to try to implode and blow up the conference and then complain that the conference made a move and they made a move earlier than you would like that doesn't fit your needs. Boo, freaking. Who? That's what I say to OU in Texas. They're upset apparently that, you know the four new teams came in are in coming in in 2023 before they're leaving. Get out of here with that. You don't get to, you know, try to destroy and take down this conference, knowing what you're going to do and what could happen as a result of it, and then complain about how the conference responded, and then be upset that you got to hang around with the four new schools for a couple of seasons. Get lost with that nonsense if you're OU in Texas, please. But I understand why this might make some sense. From the broader landscape of college football, the Big Ten is going to go to 16 teams in 2024 with the additions of USC and UCLA. That also coincides with the first year of the college football playoff uh, 12-team format. So that seems like a way to cleanly break this thing. But once again, what is the incentive for the Big 12 to allow Oklahoma and Texas out early at a discounted rate. I don't see any. I don't see the reason for OU and Texas to try to cut a deal. Unless they feel like they can do something uh, that is... How shall we say this? A good move for the Big 12, but let's be honest. The Big 12 having OU and Texas in there for a couple of years, having those matchups, having... Houston take on Texas as a conference game, having BYU, Oklahoma, like that's compelling. Dylan Gabriel next year for OU taking on his former team and UCF, like those are storylines the Big 12 should be taking advantage of. Unless there's something obvious they could do with 100 million dollars for the league by letting OU and Texas out of that deal early, I wouldn't be doing it. Now the the catch is this: the catch is what does ESPN say to Brett Yormark? Because this is where this gets hairy. ESPN has and holds all the cards here. That's the reality of this as well. The new SEC deal is going to be a 10-year deal uh, with ESPN that's worth an enormous amount of money. And there's also a clause in there that requires ESPN to pay the SEC the same amount per school for any new members. And that's where... ESPN may say, do they want to pay OU in Texas, SEC money in 2024 for an extra year, or do they want to wait until 2025? If there's a recession in 2023, if you know the ad market's a little slow, does ESPN say, oh, OU in Texas, you wait till 2025, it'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. Or do they want to get this thing done by 2024? And then if they want to get this thing done by 2024, Does ESPN place a call to Brett Yormark and say, hey, Brett, can you let him out for a little bit cheaper? Can you get this thing done for, you know, $50 million instead of $85 million? And ESPN is going to hold the cards because they obviously re-upped with the Big 12. The Big 12 is staying with ESPN and Fox, this was one of the reasons, and I understand why the Big 12 is doing it. I supported Brett Yormark in, in doing that, in staying with the Big 12 conference or staying with ESPN as much as I can't stand ESPN. I get why he did it. They still had the biggest platform and playing nice with ESPN is a smart play for Brett Yormark. But Brett Yormark has been proven to be a very savvy businessman. He knows what he's doing. He understands how to play the game. He's a TV guy with background there. He gets it. He clearly has relationships at ESPN. So if he's going to let OU in Texas out early at a discounted price, there's got to be something in it for him. There's got to be something in it for the Big 12 Conference top to bottom. And I have complete confidence he will be the guy that can help make that happen. Complete confidence in that. But this is uh, really fascinating, and I know a lot of OU and Texas fans, they wanted to be out last year. I get it. I understand why some of you are saying you want to be done with the Big 12, you want to move on to the SEC. Part of the problem is that, you know, the four new Big 12 schools and every other Big 12 team, so now you got 12 schools who are going to be basically gunning for you, and you're going to get their best game every single time. Now, OU and Texas is used to getting everybody's best game every single time, but this is going to be on steroids. This is going to be a whole new level. Especially the new schools. The new schools that may say, we only have one shot to play Oklahoma and Texas in our careers. This is it. We're going all out. I mean, that that makes this story and this league incredibly fascinating for a couple of seasons. And I cannot wait to see how it plays out uh, for the Big 12 Conference. Now, Let's get to some of your comments here and just see what you guys are saying before I continue on. Jason writes, OU fan here, I hate the move, I hate the SEC, their fans, and the logo, this whole thing sucks. (laughs) Well, Jason, you know, how do you think the rest of us feel as Big 12 folks? You're preaching to the choir here, my man. You are in the right conversation Also on Facebook Live, Gary writes, if the money's right, let them go. I agree, Gary. I just don't know what the money being right means. That's what I need help figuring out. Jared says, if they want out early, make them pay the full fee. They can pay part of it up front as a down payment, and they pay the rest spread out over several years. I'm open to that, too. I'd be curious to know what the league would do with that money, but um, maybe that's a conversation to have, Jared. That's not a bad point at all, as you look at where this thing goes from here on out. So, Watching that closely, now, Ross Dellinger, um, SI, reported about this as well. He said, quote, for weeks, there's been growing momentum from the Big 12 to reach a deal with Texas and OU to allow them to exit for the SEC a year early in 2024. But nothing is necessarily imminent. Negotiations go beyond money and include TV network inventory, which is a real obstacle. So. We'll see. I mean, ESPN is the one who's ultimately going to be able to make this happen if they want to. Uh, they are the kings of college football. They own the most inventory. They have the you know, biggest hand. So we'll see. We'll watch it. We'll see how it plays out. Now, elsewhere around the Big 12 Conference uh, this week, this Chris Beard thing is beyond ugly. Beyond ugly. The Texas basketball coach, I'm Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, covering the Big 12. The Texas basketball coach was arrested at 4 in the morning on Monday. He was arrested at 4 in the morning on Monday uh, in a very nasty situation, nasty allegations, we should say, for assault on a family-slash-household member. He also was apparently preventing the victim from breathing. Beard was booked with a third-degree felony. Here's what the arrest affidavit says about Chris Beard. A woman told police that Chris Beard, quote, choked me, threw me off the bed, bit me, bruises all over my leg, throwing me around and going nuts, end quote. She said the choking lasted for five seconds and impeded her breathing, according to the affidavit, per police. So this is as ugly and as nasty as it gets. We've got all the articles up on the website if you want to see it. Uh, Chris Beard told police he has audio recordings showing he was not the primary aggressor. He was asked if he would be willing to share those audio recordings to which he said no. The woman who lives with Beard told police the two had been arguing for days about their relationship. The woman said that last night she took reading glasses from Beard's hands and broke them. Beard, she told police, then slapped her glasses from her face. So these are the allegations that are in the report. This is what is out there right now about Chris Beard. And uh, it's ugly. He has been suspended without pay until further notice. Um, You know, we're talking about this on a Monday. And as the uh, news came down on Monday afternoon, we found out suspended without pay. Until further notice, um, and on top of that, uh, you know Texas did put out a statement as well earlier in the day. The associate head coach Rodney Terry is going to serve as the acting head coach for at least Monday night's game against Rice. Of course, Beard is in his second season with the Longhorns, and you know had this team off to a seven and one start, and you know was number two last week in the AP poll. This is ugly. I can't say anything beyond what we know. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. Um, yes, his attorney has said he was 100% innocent. We do know that Chris Beard, uh, divorced his longtime wife. want to say that was within the last five years, uh, that he divorced his wife. He has had a girlfriend that he has been with since his time late at Texas Tech. Uh, that's kind of what we know about Chris Beard's personal life. But once again, we don't have the, the female, um, That name has been redacted from the police report, so I'm not going to start connecting too many dots and making too many assumptions. That would be irresponsible, but it is obviously a very serious situation down in Austin. This is one of those things that could end up with Chris Beard's coaching career coming to an end. How serious is it? We do not know. We do not have any idea, but obviously it is one of those things that uh, we'll monitor. We've written a lot about today at Heartland College Sports. The mugshot of Chris Beards is up. Uh, it's on the website if you want to see it, and it is something I in no way expected to wake up to today. Saw the news. I was actually doing my morning radio show in Kansas City on KCMO Talk Radio, um, and which is if you're in Kansas City, seven ten a.m. and one hundred three point seven FM. Um, and the news came across, I want to say it was about 7.30 in the morning, and I was like, what? Chris, you mean the Texas basketball coach? Are you kidding me? I just didn't see this coming at all. Now, you never see something like this necessarily coming, but uh, I mean, these are incredibly serious allegations. Incredibly serious. You're talking about choking somebody for five seconds, impeding impeding her breathing that's as bad as it gets. Oh my goodness. Meantime. Um, also, I mean, I hate to have bad news here, but the news that we are also continuing to watch and follow is Mike Leach. So Mike Leach, as of our conversation right now is, um, in critical condition in Mississippi, suffered a heart attack over the weekend and, uh, his family is asking for privacy. He has, uh, you know, Suffered a heart attack. The university put out a statement that said Mike Leach remains in critical condition. This was Monday afternoon at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson. Mike's family is with him, appreciates the overwhelming expressions of love and support for the coach, but also requests that their family privacy be respected at this time. So Leach has been with Mississippi State since 2020. He spent eight years with Washington State before that, and we all know him from his time at Texas Tech from 2000 to 2009, and then, of course, spent the season with OU as the offensive coordinator before that. Uh, This is absolutely horrible. This is tragic. Mike Leach is only 61 years old. We are all praying for a miracle. I'll tell you what, um, and I'm going to talk about Mike Leach in the present since he is still alive as far as we know right now. Mike Leach came on my show, on my podcast, to talk Texas Tech and Big 12 a couple of times back when he was at Washington State. And I'm telling you, that guy talks to you and you would think that he knew you for 20 years. That's who Mike Leach is. You know, I was granted the interview by Washington State and they said, hey, if you can keep it to like 15 minutes, that's fine. So 15 minutes into the conversation, I'm trying to wrap it up and Mike Leach isn't done. Mike Leach just keeps going, going and going and going and going and talking and chatting and asking me about things and everything else. I had never had that kind of an experience with a head coach, never been a guy who has had that kind of success at that kind of level. It was unbelievable as I was having that conversation with him, and it's probably going back four or five years now, but it's also one of those things I will never forget in my life just having this conversation with Mike Leach and this guy, you know, who I'm told only has 15 minutes is going on and on and on for, I think we ultimately went 25 minutes on the conversation. And I was trying to get off the line because I don't want Washington State all ticked off at me. I didn't want them to be upset. And, you know, we're all trying to follow it from afar and everything else. And and this is just horrible news. And you have seen already on social media an outpouring of support, an incredible amount of love, endearment to Mike Leach because he was an easy guy to like. There was nobody like the pirate. I think about the cameo in Friday Night Lights. Remember that? With Coach Eric Taylor? Hey, that's one of the great cameos in you know TV show history in my book. Now I'm a sucker for Friday Night Lights, more so the TV show, not the movie. But, geez, I mean, that cameo in Friday Night Lights, I saw that pop up on social media. That brought me back, seeing that. And I'm not going to get too sappy. I'm not going to sit here and get too deep. But when you see a story like this, 61 years old, I think of 61 today as young. You know, I'm in my mid-30s, but I think of 61 as young today. I don't think about hearing news that, you know, individuals who are at the top of their profession and aren't like, you know, Mike Leach could have lost a few pounds, but he wasn't like morbidly obese or anything like that, dropping dead at 61 potentially, potentially uh, from a heart attack. We don't have that confirmed. Although I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Bill Snyder, did you see what happened to Bill Snyder, the former Kansas State head coach? Bill Snyder accidentally put up a tweet on Monday night that said, quote, truly saddened by the death of a good friend and special man, Mike Leach will always remain special in my heart and the hearts of many. Not only a unique and talented coach, but one who taught life lessons to so many young men whose lives he changed for the better. Rest in peace. Bill Snyder put that up on social media. And let's just put it this way. When that tweet was put up, It had not, and it has not been confirmed as of our conversation on Monday night that Mike Leach has died. So that was a bad look for Bill Snyder. I know the guy's 85, and I don't know who's running his Twitter page, but that was a bad look. So Bill Snyder followed up the tweet after deleting it, saying, quote, I'm now told that Mike has not passed. brings warmth to my heart, and I apologize deeply for my premature tweet. Please forgive me and continue your prayers for Mike and his family. That was from Bill Snyder. Thank you very much for that, Bill, for the uh, clarification there. Literally, I'm like, is the college football world going to know about Mike Leach's passing from a Bill Snyder tweet? Uh, Thankfully not. Thankfully not. After Bill Snyder corrected the record. Uh, Last thing here, I will say, Max Duggan got hosed on the Heisman. I don't care if you're Caleb Williams' biggest fanboy or fangirl. Max Duggan should have won the Heisman Trophy. There's no doubt in my mind about that. I mean, if the trophy is truly going to be defined by the official mission statement, which is winners epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work, it doesn't get any bigger and better than Max Duggan. The guy had heart surgery a couple of years ago, lost the starting job last year, Anybody else in his shoes would have transferred after losing the starting job last season. His head coach got fired at the halfway point. He had no reason to stay at TCU. And then he loses the starting job in the offseason. But the quarterback, his predecessor, or the guy he lost the job to, Chandler Morris, gets hurt in the first game of the season. Max Duggan comes in, leads the team to a 12-0 record and a college football playoff berth. That is the definition of the official Heisman mission statement. Great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. In a day and age where if you don't get your way, you hit the transfer portal and you leave, Max Duggan did everything but that. He is the epitome of what a Heisman Trophy winner is supposed to be. I know that Caleb Williams was flashier and had better stats and played for Lincoln Riley and played at glitzy USC, but if you are going by the definition of the official mission statement for the Heisman Trophy, then to me, it was a no-brainer. It should have been Max Duggan, but you know what happened is what we all thought was going to happen, what we all anticipated was going to happen, and that is um, ultimately Caleb Williams winning the Heisman Trophy. I'm Pete Mundo, heartlandcollegesports.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here, for being a part of the show. Subscribe on YouTube, like the video on YouTube. We are promising you more content there. I believe we are delivering that for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, on top of that, please subscribe as well on the podcast. And if you leave a rating and a review, send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you hooked up with a Heartland College sports koozie in the mail. There you go. Have a great rest of your day. Appreciate you all joining us here on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.